Chapter Twenty Four of Curly Carson Listens In by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter Twenty Four, The Story of the Map. You see," said Curly, tapping the soggy bit of vellum which he held in his hand, "the trouble with this map is not that it is not genuine, but that it's too old. This map," he paused for emphasis. This map was made in 1446. Gladys Ardmore gasped. Her brother stared in astonishment. It's a fact, declared Curly emphatically. You see, he went on, the day I was in the library with Miss Gladys, I saw an exact reproduction of this map in a large volume. At the same time, I read a description of it and a brief account of its history. It seems it was lost sight of about a century ago. There were copies, but the original was gone. I concluded at once that the map had somehow come into the hands of Alfred Brightwood, since I was convinced that this was the truth, and since I had read the writing about the gold discovered on the mysterious island charted there, I decided that it would be wise to find out whether or not it were possible that this strange story might be true. I found my answer in a bound volume of Scottish Geographic magazines in a series of articles entitled The So-Called Mythical Islands of the Atlantic. It seems that there is fairly good proof that a number of vessels landed on the North American continent before Columbus did, driven out of their course or lured on by hopes of gold and adventure, these ships from time to time discovered and rediscovered lands to the west of Ireland. They thought of the land as islands and gave them names. The island of Brazil was one of them. If you were to consult this map I have here, you would find the island of Brazil indicated by a circle which is nearly as large as Ireland. Yet, if you were to cruise all over the waters in the vicinity of this supposed island, you would find only the restless old ocean. What's the answer, then? He smiled. Just this. These ancient sea rovers didn't have any accurate way of telling where they were at a given time on the sea, so they had to guess at it. Carried on by winds and currents, they often traveled much farther than they thought. They landed on the continent of North America and thought it was an island. When they came back to Europe, they tried to locate the land they had discovered on a map and missed it by only a thousand miles or so. Our ancient friend who wrote of his experience on the back of this map had doubtless been carried to some point in Central or South America, where there was even in those days plenty of gold to be found in those regions. So you see, he turned to Vincent with a smile, you went five hundred miles out to sea for the purpose of rediscovering America. Not much chance of success. Anyway, that's what I thought and that is why I dashed off on a wild race in the Kittlewake, and that's why we're here. Silence followed the ending of Curly's narrative. There seemed to be nothing more to say, so they sat there staring at the sea for a long time. The silence was at last broken by the skipper's announcement. Smoke on the larboard bow! It was true. Their relief was at hand. Almost immediately afterward, Curly received a second reassuring message from the captain of the liner. A short time after that, he had the pleasure of escorting the dripping daughter of a millionaire up the gangway. The next day, as they were moving in toward the dock, 
Vincent Ardmore approached Curly. "'My sister,' there was a strange smile on his lips, "'says you set out on this trip for the purpose of having me arrested.' "'I did.' "'Well,' the other boy choked up and could not continue, "'the law, punishment, prisons, and all that, as I understand it,' said Curly thoughtfully, "'have but one purpose.' to teach people what other folks' rights are and to encourage them in respecting them. It's my business to see there is fair play in the air. He paused and looked away at the sea. When he resumed, there was a suspicious huskiness in his voice. Seems to me that as far as you are concerned, nature has punished you about enough. You ought to know by this time what interfering with the radio wavelengths belonging to the sea traffic might mean to shipwreck men and well oh what's the use he broke off abruptly i'm a chicken-hearted fool you're out on parole and must report to your sister every week she's she's what i'd call a brick turning hastily he walked away almost before he knew it he all but ran over gladys ardmore coming to meet him oh mr mr she hesitated. Just plain curly, he smiled. You, you're coming to see me when you get home, won't you? Curly thought a moment. Then, of a sudden, the spacious walls of the Ardmore mansion flashed into his mind. To go there as an officer of the law was one thing. To go as a guest was quite another. Why, why, he drew back in confusion. You'll have to excuse me, but but oh i know she exclaimed it's the house and everything tell you what she seized him by the arm there's a little old-fashioned farmhouse down in one corner of our estate it was there when we bought it and has been kept just the same ever since even the furniture red plush chairs kitchen stove and everything are there we'll go down there and have a regular frolic sometime popcorn, molasses candy, checkers, and everything. We've a wonderful cook who once lived on a farm. We'll take her along as a chaperone. Now will you come, will you? She urged eagerly. Why, why, if you don't, she held up a warning finger, I'll come up and visit you in that secret wireless room of yours just as I once said I would. In that case, said Curly, I suppose I'll have to surrender. And, he added happily, here we are, back to dear old North America, without any gold, but with a lot to be thankful for. The boat was bumping against the dock. Giving his arm a squeeze, the girl dashed away. End of chapter 24